Hi everyone, uh, my name is James McKnight. I'm a funds partner in the Dublin office of Simmons & Simmons. Uh, I'm joined today by Henry Arslanian, a partner and, glo uh, and global crypto leader at PwC based in Hong Kong. So Henry, uh, we go back quite a few years to your time in the prime consulting team at UBS. Worth, worth also mentioning you're a, a recovering funds lawyer, so there is hope for us all. I think fast forward to now, and it's I think it's probably fair to say you're a bona fide crypto superstar, half a billion followers on LinkedIn, well known for your crypto capsules, which I'd highly recommend. So tell me what, what's going on in the in the crypto world this week? Fast moving place. Oh, thank you, James. Well, actually, uh, I, I you know I may be in crypto now, but I never forget my days as a funds lawyer. So that's where I learned the, the trade, you know, a lot of my uh, my basic skills that I have today. Uh, now, as you mentioned, crypto space never sleeps. It's twenty four seven, and things are moving ridiculously fast. I tell everybody that if you want to spend your weekends, your kids, and enjoy time with your family, do not get into crypto. This space literally does not sleep, and every week in crypto is like seven weeks in a normal world. It's like dog years, right? Uh, but it's been a couple of big, even if you look at the last week, literally only seven days, a lot of big developments took place. For example, on the fundraising side, we had the company Circle, the company behind the stablecoin USDC, that raised $440 million, uh, which in what may be the largest crypto fundraising in history. Even on the consumer side, you had a lot of developments as well. PayPal, for example, allowed announced that it's going to allow its users to withdraw crypto to third-party wallets. Until then, right now, crypto uh, PayPal clients can actually buy and sell crypto, but they're not able to move it outside of, outside of the PayPal platform. You also had a lot of announcements with banks. Obviously, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of announcements with banks, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, publicly embracing crypto. Uh, this week, actually, exceptionally, we had the opposite. HSBC CEO, uh, CEO Noel Quinn mentioned that HSBC is not interested in promoting cryptocurrencies to its clients. And that kind of makes HSBC now an outlier when you look at some of its peers in the market. There's also been, I mean, being a, a legal podcast, there's been a number of uh, legal and regulatory developments as well. A good example is actually in Hong Kong, where you and I, James, we met originally, where the, the, the Hong Kong uh, released its consultation conclusions on a proposed new regulatory fr framework for crypto exchanges. And while some of the provisions have been welcomed, like the requirement for crypto exchanges to be regulated, some other proposals have been criticized, like basically just allowing professional investors uh, to come and actually be able to buy crypto from those exchanges. So that's been actually kind of a letdown from that perspective. But overall, a lot of activity activity continues. Uh, one interesting um, result, like survey that came out was from the economists that found that 51% of respondents, respondents to a survey said that lack of knowledge Lack of knowledge was the main barrier to adoption of other of cryptocurrencies, uh, and followed by the way, interestingly, by 34% by security concerns and 29% with the difficulties of buying crypto. So a lot of interesting developments happening there, not only on the reg, uh, legal and regulatory side, but also on the policymaking side and on the market side. I'll pass it back to you, James. Yeah, uh, and I, I did see those those rules in Hong Kong and, and noted about the professional investor definition. But uh, thinking back to my days as a Hong Kong lawyer, I, I know there's a, a monetary cap uh, that if you're above, you're, you're then a professional investor. So some of those early investors in in uh, in Bitcoin certainly probably exceed that cap if they held onto it. Uh, uh, unfortunately, so James, because you know when they look at liquid assets, they only look at uh, cash and securities. And mm. crypto assets are not included in a million dollar threshold. So you, uh -huh. literally, what it means is you can be a crypto expert that has hundred million dollars of crypto. But however, for these rules, you're considered not a professional investor because you don't you have less than one million dollars of cash or securities. Uh, conversely, ironically, a grandmother 
that has a million dollars in a bank account has zero idea what Bitcoin is, has zero idea what crypto is, is ironically considered a professional investor. Again, so this is why these tests where we put the amount of wealth as a, as a barometer of being a professional investor is probably not only uh, outdated, but frankly, a bit dangerous as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Uh, and in particular, when you think of, uh, you know, the, the grandmothers that invested in, in golf carts in, in Discovery Bay that are, <laughs> that are, you know, and if they saw them potentially have over a million just from that investment, then able to invest in crypto. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a strange one. Um, so where are Worlds Collide Henry's in the area of funds investing in crypto? Um, and I was lucky enough to be involved in the first wave of crypto fund, funds during my own time in Hong Kong. But I think it's it's fair to say that since then, the profile of managers looking at crypto has changed drastically. Um, very prominent figures in the hedge fund world speaking openly about the benefits of crypto. I know that Ray Dalio recently commented that personally he would prefer to own Bitcoin than a bond. Uh, PwC Elwood Asset Management in AMA recently released its uh, annual crypto hedge fund report, which uh, I thought was a great read. Can you Can you take us through some of the key takeaways? Oh, absolutely. I think this is my favorite report of the year. It's like you mentioned, it's PwC Elwood. And this year with AMA, we partnered to actually for our third annual crypto hedge fund report. And the report has many takeaways. I would say really if there's two big sections of the report, one of them is when we cover crypto hedge funds. Uh, these are native crypto hedge funds. And what's really exciting there is that the total AUM of crypto hedge funds almost doubled this year to $3.8 billion. Even the average AUM of a crypto hedge fund now went from $13 million to $43 million, almost tripled there. And, and really, you can see that even the average return last year was 128%. So a lot of interesting data has come, out, come, came in on the crypto hedge fund side. One of them is actually the investor base. Today, 84% of investors in crypto hedge funds are high net worth individuals and family offices. Uh, but however, the part of the report that I find the most fascinating is what we added this year where we surveyed traditional hedge fund managers. Uh, and what's been interesting there is that the data shows that 47% of traditional hedge fund managers representing about $180 billion in assets that were surveyed by AMA, 47% uh, mentioned that they are already invested in crypto or they are looking at investing this year. That's pretty impressive. And by the way, interestingly, for those of uh, the, the funds that have already invested, 86% are intent, intent to deploy more capital this year. So very, very interesting data out there. I think the data was more, more uh, surprising than many people thought. There's more hedge funds uh, in crypto than we, we think. And actually, ironically, that some of the challenges that were mentioned, why are some of the hedge funds not investing in crypto, comes back 82% to regulatory uncertainty. That's why we have a good old lawyers. 77% mm. though was existing client reaction. So interestingly, three quarters of those not investing in crypto are doing it because they don't know how their traditional investor base is, is going to react. So very interesting data point from that perspective. And as you said, James, at the beginning of, the, of your intro, there's a lot of more hedge fund managers coming in. I mean, you mentioned the likes of Ray Dalio and others. Uh, even last week, the last one I think was Carl Icahn, who said that um, he, he intends to enter crypto in a big way. Uh, let's not forget that it was only in 2018 that Carl Icahn called Bitcoin ridiculous. And yeah. he said he wouldn't touch that stuff. And he has changed uh, his point of view less than three years later. So this is something we're seeing more and more with traditional fund managers and investors. Yeah. And it's those traditional fund managers, I think, and, and, uh, you know, that, that will help with that kind of mainstream adoption of of, um, of crypto. And, and more so the, the, the onshore regulators, which are particularly slow moving, I think, uh, in particular in Europe, um, including the, the Irish regulator, the Central Bank of Ireland. 
In Germany, the, the Bafin seems to be taking the lead. Uh, they recently led Special Funds to invest up to 20% in crypto. Uh, the Irish regulator is currently considering submissions from some of the world's biggest managers for Irish funds to take exposure on crypto. Personally, I think that the, the central bank would prefer not to have to do that. But because you know we have some of the world's biggest managers operating Irish funds, and it's you know instead of um, setting up a crypto only fund, you know they're adding crypto as a as a, a percentage of their portfolio. So that really kind of forces onshore regulators to take a look at crypto uh, as a proportion of overall investments in Irish funds. Uh, Irish wallet providers, virtual, um, uh, virtual asset service providers, are now required to comply with PML regulations. More and more, the custodian banks are providing crypto custody services, uh, BMI Wellen being the, the, the most recent or the most high profile. Uh, to my mind, regulated crypto exchanges could be a tipping point. But what do you think is needed to bring crypto onshore into the regulated fund world? Obviously, I think the, the one thing I think is most important, one word, education. I think whether you're a regulator, you're a policymaker, what I find really incredible is a lot of policymakers, even regulators to a certain extent, are trying to actually opine on crypto without spending the basic time to try to understand what it is. I mean, actually, I would say globally from a regulator perspective, today, actually, I would say regulators have done a, have done quite a lot of work. According to Cambridge University, only 5% of regulators do not have somebody working on crypto. Uh, that being said, I think from a policymaking perspective, there's been a lot of advances as well. Central banks, today, 86% of central banks, James, are looking at central bank digital currencies. That being said, I think the biggest obstacle today across the board is education. I think we need to spend more time on educating policymakers, regulators on what is Bitcoin, what is proof of work, how the cryptocurrencies work, that actually and demystifying some of the myths around the criminal activity, for example, around Bitcoin, again, around some of the environmental impact of Bitcoin. I think when you have the time to demystify some of these elements, explain, and people understand the fundamentals of how crypto work, then they're more comfortable and not only they're more comfortable, uh, but also they can make uh, the policies and regulations that are more appropriate and everybody, everybody benefits, not only the funds industry and the crypto ecosystem, but also the public as well. And I think that's very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, It's been a long education process for guys like you who have been involved in crypto for <laughs> for quite some time. Uh, but we're, but we're, we're way over time, uh, over the allotted six minutes. So I think we could probably chat all day but we, we can leave it there. Uh, thanks so much to anyone listening. I hope you found it interesting and I, I really can't recommend Henry's Crypto Capsules and Future Money publication enough. Absolutely essential reading and listening for, for those interested in crypto. Henry, thanks so much for your time today and it was really, really great to catch up again. Thanks for having me. Again, for anybody interested, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or by various YouTube pages where I've now content not only in English, but also in Arabic, French, and of course, Chinese. Thanks for having me. And thanks again for the Simmons and Simmons family for all the great work you guys have been doing, not only in the fun space, but also in the crypto space as well. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks, Henry.